Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming. I'm your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined once again with Letitia Thomas. How are we today, Tish? We are good. We've had coffee. We've had coffee. I've given you some stuff to stimulate your ADHD this morning, some various things in the house. Yep. <laughs> Overstimulate you a little bit. Yep. And uh, now I think we're crashing a little bit. Well, we've got to get through Definitely this. crashed, yep. And you definitely crashed. The fidget spinner pen is on the desk because... I moved that away because <laughs> uh, I know the next hour for you would have been very distracting. Yeah, I'll just spin the pen. You'll just hear that You'll just hear time. the clicking the whole time. Um, we've we had, don't actually know what's wrong with me, FYI, no, but... You um, haven't been diagnosed yet. Shannon's pretty sure. I've got an inkling that you're, uh, you're on that spectrum. Yep. Anywho, <laughs> you're listening, Mum. Move on. Move on to the next thing. This is our second last episode. It we is. thought we'd let the audience know and give a bit of a heads up that uh, we're coming into a last part of 2023. We've got our Christmas special, which is this episode here. And then obviously next week we're going to be doing a wrap-up uh, special episode that will be the best of 2023. And that will finish up our first year on Binge List and Box Office Hits. And it's been a wonderful year so far, but we're looking forward to – some new things we're going to be working on next year. We're having a bit of a break to kind of finalise some things, come back with a, a game plan and actually give us some time to watch some things and get some stuff ready for the new episodes. Yeah, and so if you want us to look at particular stuff next year, please actually write in, let us know. Yeah. Um, and we'll put some time and effort in and get that stuff ready for next year. Yeah, we're basically having a summer break and this will all happen, um, you know, every year going forward. Uh, but, yeah, we're just – Taking some time, coming up with some ideas um, to better the podcast, better the brand, and come back stronger and better next year. But as further ado, I think we should work into what we've been watching this week in our second last week and crack on into the episode. I think so. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yep. You going to go? I will because I've got a few more things than you have this week. So I'll start off. I watched The Village from 2004. So this is starring Bryce Dallas Howard, Walking Phoenix, Adrian Brody, William Hurt, Sigourney Weaver, Brendan Gleeson, Cherry Jones, and Judy Greer. Now this one is written, produced, and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. So you know the old... The old director who's known for his plot twists at the end of the films, what he's notoriously known for. I see dead people. Well, I haven't seen that one yet. Really? I know the twist. That one's been spoiled years ago. But I was going to watch that one sometime later in this week, but I didn't get to it in time. So maybe next week I'll watch The Sixth Sense. But this one, The Village, it is roughly about when a willful young man tries to venture beyond his sequestered Pennsylvania hamlet his actions set off a chain of chilling incidents that will alter the community forever. It was interesting. So this one is one of his earlier ones in the early 2000s. Obviously 2004 was around that time. Same with Signs, Sixth Sense. Like that's the era that he's known for making pretty decent films. Nowadays he's he's kind of fallen off the bandwagon. He's, his uh, plot twists that he's known for weren't as compelling as some of the earlier ones. This one was actually not too bad. 
I kind of sat with it for a bit and I was like, do I like this? Do I not? And the more I thought about it, I was like, actually, that was pretty decent. Like when I actually realized what he was trying to say and kind of tell, tell in this story, it's about like this small community that's basically, you know, built up around this like 19th century kind of community that's surrounded by a forest and in the forest uh, where the, the bad like monsters are like the the community leaders say you can't go into the forest the the monsters are there there's a truce at the moment as long as you don't go in the forest everything will be fine one of the kids gets sick and dies as one of the elders so he's like well if this happens again maybe maybe i can go and see the other towns that are outside the forest and get some medicine and come back and all the elders are like no we you know self-contained we look after each other this way it is the way it is and that's Walking Phoenix's character. He's a very strong, silent type. Classic old Walking Phoenix. And he's the love interest of Bryce Dallas Howard. She's a blind lady in this and got some things to talk about with that. So she plays a really good emotional role. She is the most unbelievable blind person I've ever seen in my life on screen. Like... You know how, like, they should, like, it's that era where maybe they should have just cast an actual blind person. Yeah. That would have been probably better because it was 2004. It didn't happen. So she's constantly, like, trying, like, she's just looking around, but it's, like, every now and then she'll just look at the person. And yeah, it's like because it's really hard to uh, pretend to be blind. blind. Yeah, so I was, like. Naturally, if you can see, you look at stuff. Yeah, I yeah. was, like, okay, so you're super not believable as a blind person, but I'm believing the emotional story that you're telling it's hard to explain. Yeah. She does a really good job in the acting ability. You're great at acting. You're just really bad at acting bad at blind. Acting blind. Which was, most people are given. <laughs> I'm like, I probably couldn't do it. Yep. Um, there was a scene when she's like rushing from one house to another and she's got a stick cane thing uh-huh. to kind of like, you know, see what's in front of her. But she also had her hand out as well at the same time. I'm like, well, it kind of negates the stick, doesn't it? Because also the stick's longer than your hand. So I don't know what you're trying to do here <laughs> the whole time. Um, it, it's a, it, at the at the heart, it's a romance story. So it's the love story between those two. Um, halfway through the film, Walking Phoenix gets severely hurt and needs definitely needs medical care. Um, one of the elders is Bryce Dallas Howard's dad, so she comes to him and be like, "I'm going on this journey, whether you want me to or not." Um, he sets her up to go on this journey, and she's blind. There's a reason why she's blind, and the characterization of it works. So she gets sent out to go through where the monsters are in the forest. The whole idea is she's innocent, so they leave the innocent alone. Right. Um, but there's a whole B story about the elders and the monsters and stuff. I won't get into it and spoil it for you, but, yeah, it kind of plays out. And then she, when she gets to where the towns are supposed to be is where the plot twist, the classic M. Night Shyamalan plot twist, yet again, I won't tell you because I know you haven't seen it. You might see it. It's been out since 2004, so anyone who has seen it since knows what I'm talking about. It's actually one of the better ones. And there's a reason why she's blind and, like, still holds on to her innocence when she comes back at the end. I thought it was pretty good. It's quite eerie at times when the the monster scenes do play out and, like, the fear factor that's involved. There's a lot to say about this that I could go into depth without, but I can't without spoiling the movie. It's hard to say. I probably won't do it here. If you watch it, if anyone in the audience watches it and wants to have a chat about, obviously, the village, the plot twist, and how it actually affects the whole story, because it definitely does. You rewatch the movie again, you'll go, you'll see it in a completely different light. Um, that's probably why it sat with me for so long, because at the first first viewing, you're like, okay, but then you go, oh, now I know that. That changes everything. Yep. 
So I kind of enjoy. I quite enjoyed it. I don't know if I'm going to watch this. I'm not going to keep telling you I'm going to watch things. I'll it's explain hard. to you off air then what happens. Um, I the first thing I sort of finished watching this week was Deadlock. Um, I think last week I'd watched the first episode, and then I binged the hell out of it. Mm. Um, at first I wasn't completely sure about it. I think I was talking to a girl at work as well about it, and um, Madeline Sami's characters a bit annoying in the first couple episodes because it's very much like whatever I don't care obviously like the boyfriend did it Mm. blah 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 you know like it's very much that plot and the characters like sort of more of a like a piss take of that kind of detective um and then you know a couple episodes in is when and it happens all the time in cop shows you kind of realize oh what's happened to them to make them so like hardened and whatever um and then by that point it's like, you know, the, the murders are stacking up. The stakes are really high and it becomes less of like a comedy and more of your, I wouldn't say typical like police procedural because it is also comedic, but it the stakes get higher. So the, the emotional stuff gets heavier as it goes and everyone's life is getting more and more affected. And then it just like it, it's really good. The funny stuff is hilarious and like it's also a fantastic – crime thing and just like I was at the last episode and I was like I need to know who the killer is and then I stayed up till like midnight just to find out um if anyone hasn't watched it and they're like thinking about it it's on prime 100% worth watching how many apps I think eight that's doable maybe yeah I think about eight it's it is so good and I understand why it was like heavily talked about this year as like one of the best like one of the best shows that's come out of this year because at first you're like ah. Maybe this is just going to be like a silly thing. But then it kind but of then it, builds on It that. builds. But it's then at the same layer. time, all the characters in this small town are like just so silly. Just so, so silly. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've got like the typical townspeople. It's very much country. Very much was like patriarchy, like, you know, blokey bloke mm-hmm. stuff. But then they've got like a new mayor that's come into town. And then she's got a bunch of friends that are sort of all from... Some of them were once in deadlock and then moved to Melbourne and it's like a bunch of lesbians and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. there's like this artsy community thing that they're trying to also run at the same time as all these bodies are washing up. And oh, yep. it's like, no, but, but we still have to have the arts festival <laughs> and like just. They're yeah. worried about that rather than actual murders happening. And yeah, like okay. Kate Box's character, who's like the lead detective in, in deadlock is like best mates with half these people. Cause yeah. she, it's more community, but she's also like, Yes, but um, we just there's like we just have to solve the the, the murder f- first. It's like once we've, <laughs> I know I know that I've promised you that I'm gonna come to the the movie tonight, the screening. But um, I have work to I do. I just I have to do much. Like it's just yeah, okay. so funny. Yeah. All right, I might check that one out when we have our break. Actually, that sounds good. It's fun. It's yeah. easy, but it's fun. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. Well, my I'll pop back into my next one. Um, I was on an M Night Shyamalan freight train this week, so the next one I watched was Signs, two thousand and two, starring Mel Gibson, Walking Phoenix, Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin, Cherry Jones, and it, obviously it's written and produced and directed by M Night Shyamalan again. I didn't realize that he kind of was one of these directors that sort of reuses actors. Yeah, uh, to a degree. Well, he's got you know. Is Jerry Walk- Jones, yeah, Walking Phoenix. Walking Phoenix yeah. again, both those two. Um, yeah, he kind of does. Like if you look at the Unbreakable trilogy, obviously he's got uh, everyone from all three of those films together. I'm trying to think what his newer ones are. He's got Old. Old wasn't very good. Cabin in the Woods, not very good. 
It's kind of disappointing, The Happening, not very good. I haven't seen a lot of his movies, admittedly. Uh, I'm stuck. Oh, it's funny because I watched the obviously the bad ones first, and then I'm going back to what he was kind of like made well known for now. And I'm kind of like, oh, it's kind of disappointing because these are actually quite decent films. And then, yeah, obviously something happened. I think his ego got to him thinking because he obviously he written, produced, directed the whole thing, and they're like, oh, they're great films. So he's just kind of like, oh, I'm amazing. Yeah, no one's sort of checking him. They're just no one's, money now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's blank checks to make films when they should probably go, oh. I'm going to read your script first because <laughs> old was really, really bad. I was really, I've seen that twice now. <laughs> it's two separate occasions. I'm like, it didn't get better the second time either. Disappointing. And Cabin in the Woods. I've seen that one. It had like a chance to be good, but then it, it just never went anywhere. Like it didn't really fulfill anything. That's the the plot twist was, there was no plot twist. Was Hemsworth in that one? Not Hemsworth. No, not Hemsworth. It um it had Dave Batista as the main um it's like the four horsemen of the apocalypse one. You're thinking Cabin in the Woods, not Knock at the Door. Oh, you keep saying Cabin in the Woods. Do I? Yep. Okay, well that is my mistake. I'm so sorry, but no, it's um I was confused. Knock at the Knock at the Cabin yeah, Door, yeah, okay, Knock at the yep. Cabin or whatever it's called. Yep. That's the most recent one yes. I've done. Yeah, I've seen um, Cabin in the Woods. That was a fever dream of a horror, that yeah, one. Yeah, that's someone else, yeah. Completely different. No, 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 yeah. Knock at the Cabin. Yep. Knock at the Cabin. My mistake. Okay, so signs. Um, it is a family living on a farm find mysterious crop circles in their fields, which suggests something more frightening to come. Alien. It is an alien film. But I love aliens. Weird. Anyway, keep going. It's alien film based around... Like it's got a metaphor built into the whole structure of the film. It's basically like like loss of faith because um, he's a reverend and something happened like six months prior to the start of the film, like the film where it yep. starts. Uh, his wife passes away in a, like a car accident kind of thing. So he kind of like reverts to not being a reverend anymore. And it's funny, he has scenes where he goes to like the town and he's going to go just get his like prescription pills or whatever and like the uh, attendant's like, I just need to clear my conscience, Father. And he's like, I'm not, don't call me Father anymore. I've, it's been six yep. months. Uh, and she's like, I just, with everything that's going on, because it's kind of like a worldwide thing with these crop circles. She's like, I just need to clear my conscience. And just, like, you just see him just go, okay, fine. And the next scene just cuts to like her just like spilling out all this stuff to him. It's really quite funny. This movie has a really good line of comedy, satire. Versus, yeah, obviously the family dynamics and the family relationships between – because he's got two kids and Walking Phoenix is his brother who lives on the farm as well because he obviously moved back once the mother passed away. So he's just living there to help out the Reverend, who's Mel Gibson. Um, the comedy made me stay. Like, it was very funny. There's a scene where they think some one of the – oh, it's one of Brenton boys is breaking into the house again. So they both, like, jump outside and, like, at the door and they're like, okay, so – you run one way and I run the other way and we'll just like, you know, swear obscen- we'll just like swear obscenities to like scare him off and we'll like we'll, ca- we'll capture him when we come around the house and then Malcolm's is like, well, I don't swear. And he's <laughs> walking Phoenix is like, well, just just yell like like you're crazy then. He's like, what is what is that like? He's like, we don't have time for this. And then <laughs> they run outside and it's like cut between the two of them running. It's really well done um, around each side. And one of them's like, uh, Mel Gibson goes, I'm insane and crazy as he runs around and then, Walking Phoenix like swears his head off as they're going around. It's just cut really well as they're like running around, but like they obviously run around the whole house and no one's there because it's aliens. He's jumped on the roof. Um, yeah, like the alien story kind of takes a step back because it's not really the main kind of drive of the plot. Like it is, but it's 
it's more about them and how they react to like the fear of, I guess, incoming potential death and like it, what it means to have faith. Cause there's a really good um, conversation between the two of them when they're sitting downstairs watching the TV, the kids are falling asleep while they're watching the news stories and they're just talking between each other and, yeah, Mel Gibson said, like, it's just like, hey, so you have faith, doesn't matter what I think. And then he goes, these are the reasons why I don't have faith anymore, and he kind of lays them out. So at that point in the story, he's, like, just switched off to, like, you know, believing all that. And then to by the time you get to the end of the film, obviously the aliens all attack, they survive, and then he starts to believe again. So it's a little bit on the nose, but I thought very well done because – yeah, the, the satire and stuff is is very, very good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think I liked it a little bit better than The Village. They're very similar films, very similarly made, uh, but this one just has a little bit more comedy in it, which I think worked. Easier to watch. Yeah. 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 Um, my next one, I watched this one because you were talking about it last week. I watched The Duff um, from 2015 starring Mae Whitman, Bella Thorne, Robbie Armell and Alison Janney. Um, it's directed by Ari Sandel, written by Josh A. Cajun and Cody Kleppinger. Um, a high school senior instigates a social pecking order revolution after finding out that she has been labelled the duff, designated ugly fat friend by her prettier and more popular counterparts. I don't know if I love this as much as you did. Really? But I did enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, um, maybe it's just like one of those things where I'm like, uh, time and place nostalgia. where I watched it. Yeah. yeah, it was hard for me to watch because it was so much like – 20 it was 15 it was very 2015 and like i graduated high school in 2014 so it was like a gut punch of like (laughs) oh my like i was so distracted i think by the memory of what high school that looked like as well because it's like all of the style and everything like that is Mm. so much then and even all the like the technology that they're talking about and like the social media sites that they're talking about. And yeah. I was just sucked back into <laughs> You're like, Oh like, no. And I was like, Whoa. Like it's, I felt old watching it as well. It's well. eight years ago now coming up to nine. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild to watch. I enjoyed it though, but I, I don't was, think I loved it as much. Yeah, as you did. It was just fun. It's just a fun film. Cause I think she Mae Whitman's like really good at like just capturing that aspect. Like of, Oh, she's amazing. That, she's an, a fantastic actress and she's believable as that, character as well and obviously Robbie Armel's used in a bunch of different things as well he's pretty well known like they had pretty good chemistry I think even though like she's supposed to be like the the duff and he's like the jock type mm-hmm. um they still kind of had that kind of chemistry even even so and was, it was believable I quite enjoyed it I thought it was quite good I didn't not like it I just yeah. think oh I think look you the- love it and I think I liked it a lot yeah I yeah. love it I could it's pop, that kind of pop thing. it on now and be like yes the duff yeah so good but that was that one. That's that one. Um, what else you got? Well, we have a Christmas movie in there, but we'll talk about that later in the main topic because we have a lot to talk about that, don't we? I got a lot to say on that one. Uh, we'll get back to that Hallmark Yikes. movie It later. wasn't even Hallmark, though. That's know, the funniest but thing. But it was equivalent to. Yeah. It was. Okay. We'll come back to it. So the next one I watched was Five Nights at Freddy's from 2023, starring Josh Hutchinson, Piper Rubio, Elizabeth Lale, Matthew Lillard, and Mary Stuart Masterson. It is written by Tyler McIntyre, Seth Cutterback, Chris Lee Hill, Emma Tammy, Scott Cawthorn. So it's got five writers, but it is originally written by Scott Cawthorn. So he's the writer wow. of the game. That is wild. Because to get a written credit, you need to have written a specific yeah. percentage of that script. Yeah, so wild. 
Emma Tammy is the director. Okay. And Scott Cawthorne is the writer of all the games, which is Five Nights at Freddy's. So it would have had a couple of writers and a couple of people going, here's the law, here's the law, add that in, here's the law. Because funnily enough, Five Nights at Freddy's, so I'll talk about the games. They're these like point and click style games from like the early 2000s and they're pretty bare bones and basic if you look at them. They're a horror, like a horror survival game. You basically play a security guard looking over Freddy Fazbear's pizzeria. It's like an abandoned pizzeria from the 80s. And like a couple of kids were murdered in there. I've watched people play through it like years ago. Um, This got super popularised by YouTubers doing like reaction videos of them playing. Because it's it's a lot of jump scares. If you do the wrong thing, like one of the the animatronics will pop up on the screen and you basically die. So it's pretty bare bones. There's a bunch of lore throughout the actual stories though. So it looks simple, but if you actually walk around the pizzeria and unlock things and do things as you're playing, you get a huge backstory of what this game's about and the actual story involved. And they've kind of put this in Five Nights at Freddy's, the actual movie. It's it's about um, – so Josh Hodgson plays a recently fired and desperate for work. A troll man, his name Mike, agrees to take a position as a night security guard at an abandoned theme restaurant, Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. But he soon discovers that nothing at Freddy's is what it seems. So he plays it out with – obviously the story's there as a security guard, but it plays it out with a real Hollywood story. He's got to look after his younger sister – um, but there's a whole custody battle with the auntie playing out at the same time. On the first night, he's at the the pizzeria. Um, this young girl, cop, turns up and kind of like helps him out on the first night and they become kind of friends. And so like she kind of explains the story to him of what happened at this pizzeria. So obviously five kids were murdered there. No one knows where the bodies were or what happened. And as you play through it, you realise that, oh, okay, there's something sinister happening and these animatronics are actually coming to life and killing people at night Uh, as you go through it you realize that the kids that were killed are actually in the actual animatronics the souls of these five children are in these old animatronic uh, puppets and they're being controlled by like a leader like yellow rabbit one that you don't really see because it's not in the actual pizzeria and the reason why they turn evil is because this this one in particular has control of the others there's these whole flashback scenes with Josh Hutchinson and he, cause his younger brother was taken when they were kids and he's has flashbacks to the scene when they're in the park and he gets taken and taken and he keeps looking back and he's like, the kids are there, the five kids that are murdered. And he's like, where's my brother? Do you know anything about this? What's happening? And they keep running off on him. So it's a kind of like every now and then it expands on that flashback. And you see more and more and that links into what's happening in the pizzeria at the moment. So the story comes full circle right at the end. And then it's revealed who is actually playing the golden rabbit. It's a whole plot twist with who it is from someone at the start. And yeah, it's actually pretty good. They definitely could have hammed up the violence, but I think they played the right level of accessible to every audience member. Cause it's like a pretty lighthearted horror. I would say this is even like younger kids could probably even watch this. You don't really see any blood and gore. I think they probably had to do it. Cause I know a lot of kids are mad into it at the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, hugely, which is surprising because it is—it's a jump scare game yeah, to begin with. It's not but for children, but somehow it's become. It's like teens. You could definitely children. get away for teens, so they definitely played it smart by being it more accessible. Because they definitely could have gone like the MA route and just made it like full tilt, like deaths and stuff. But they didn't, which is good. I think thought it played well. 
And I enjoyed it. It's getting like, it's polarizing at the moment in the reviews. It's either you really like it because they obviously had enough lore in there and it was like accessible for the people that love the game, but also accessible for people that just want to watch it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then people are like, oh, it's crap because it wasn't enough, you know, gore. Yeah. And like, look, picky battles. It's, it was a pretty, it was, fun. it was a good film. Um, my next one, I watched the pilot episode of NCIS Sydney. Um, so this one's starring Olivia Swan. Todd Lissant, um, Sean Sager, and Tully Knuckle, and it's created by Morgan O'Neill. Um, the first episode is about the death of an American seaman on a U.S. nuclear submarine during an ACOS ceremony in Sydney Harbour, and it's investigated in a joint effort between America's NCIS agents and the AFP. So it's a joint task force, which I think is a very smart way to bring this in because it's, it's an interesting thing because often Australian cop dramas are very different in tone to that. So it still feels like NCIS, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. But then you've got a couple Australians in it. Yeah. So there is this like a bit of back and forth between them in the pilot, you know, where it's like, you know, what is this slang? Yeah, what are you saying? That kind of what stuff. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, and Fish it is funny to watch some of the actors in it. Like I've worked with one of them. Um, and to see her sort of do a little bit more of an American cop mm. routine is kind yeah. of amusing. Um, that being said, it, it she pulls it off. Like yeah, you wouldn't good. know if you yeah. didn't know. I haven't seen her in other stuff. But, yeah, I liked it. I probably won't keep watching it at this stage because I don't have Paramount. I'm going to wait till it's all out. And they did or at like, least a lot of it's out and then I might get started. Yeah, um, they did like a free first episode on like 10 plays. So I was like, whatever, I'll watch it. It's like, oh, you like it? Yeah, now pay for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. If anyone's into NCIS, um, this one doesn't let you down. I'm going to check it out. I've seen the trailers for it when they're checking them on the TV and stuff. And I'm like, I'm interested enough to give this a go. I like my crime dramas, so I'll check it out. It'll be good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know too much on it because, it, again, it's only the first it's episode. It's only one episode out. Um, so I don't really know where it's going. I don't know much about the characters or anything like that. Or the overarching plot that um, it's going to look at, yeah. But it was enjoyable. Yeah. And it felt like NCIS more than it felt like a, you know, bad knockoff Australian yeah. trying yeah. to do American TV. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, it just doesn't work when they try and adapt it into a different culture. Yeah. Just look at the in-betweeners in America. Oofed. Oof. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my last film of the week is, I watched this last night when I was just... You know, having a chill out. I watched uh, Sicario, Day of the Soldado from 2018. So it's starring Benedict Del Toro, Josh Brolin, Isabella Merced, Jeffrey Donovan, and Manuel Garcia Rolfo. Rolfo, sure. Catherine Keener as well. She's in a few things. And written by Taylor Sheridan, who's done a bunch of great films. Look him up. He's written really good films. And directed by Stefano Solimar. So the first one was directed by Dennis Villeneuve. So, different director. I love the first one. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the first one's fantastic and it's really well known. This one, uh, it's okay. It's good. Like, it's got a really good... It's like a movie in two parts. The first part of the... The first hour of the film is setting up a story. So, it's... I'll say the synopsis. Agent Matt Graver teams up with the operative Eliana Gillick to prevent Mexican drug cartels from smuggling terrorists across the United States border. So it has this opening scene where 
And they're looking at the Mexican border and all these people are running across. It's at night time, so there's like a helicopter with like a floodlight and one of them like blow themselves up uh, as they kind of get caught because they know they've gotten caught. Next scene is like a Kansas City like supermarket and then like three or four people just walk into the supermarket and you just see them like spread out in the supermarket and each one of them just instantly like just blow up and like the three in the supermarket was one at the door. Three blow up and it's like really like intense. It's really well done like as a, as a shot scene. And then these like mother and daughter are like okay but they're caught near the door and they're like panicking as they get closer and closer to this guy who's standing in the door and she's like you don't need to do it, you don't need to do it because they want to just run out. And then she's like protecting a kid but and he's like reading, like like just saying things to himself. And then like as they get closer and closer to the door, then that one blows up. I was like, this is intense, really full on action. Like, yeah, like you've caught me in. Like this is the first couple of scenes in the movie. You've caught me in. And then it kind of like then it grounds itself. You meet Matt Greer again, who's played by Josh Brolin. And he's trying to work out what's happening. He's like obviously, you know, captured a few other people who he thinks are involved. And he's like interrogating them. He realizes what the kind of, th- what's happening the US government works out what's happening and they need to make a stop to it. So it's a big stamp on like terrorism. So they get him to go in and the big plan of this movie is to steal or kidnap one of the drug cartel kingpin's younger daughter. So then, and make it look like one of the rival cartels. So then they'll be fighting each other. So when they come in to basically kill all the cartels, they're fighting each other. It makes it so much easier for the US government to just kill them all at once. So the whole mission is get in, steal the daughter, and then make it look like someone else. The whole establishing scene with the daughter is really funny. She's at like this like private girl school in Mexico and she's like beating up this other like girl and um, gets taken to the principal's office and it's like, why did you do it? It's all, she called me all these names I can't you know say on air, but um, um, what would you do? And he's like, well, you leave it up to me. And he's like, all right, well, you beat her up then next time. It's just like she showcases what she's like. It's like it characterizes her in one scene that she's kind of like step, stands up for herself. She you know, takes no chill. And then the next scene, her car, like she's getting driven home. She gets blown, like the cars get blown up. She gets taken by the US. And the rest of the film is like setting up to get her, like she's taken back. To, it's weird. It's like she gets taken to the US. They made it look like it was someone else. They realize she's in the US, but the US government makes it look like, oh, we're just returning you now. So they're, they're fighting each other. As they're returning her back to Mexico, they organize with the police to get her across, the Mexican police to get her across to a certain place. They double cross the US team. They turn on each other. So the rest of the second half of the film is mostly Benedict del Toro's character protecting her because all the other ones had to retreat and she ran off. So he has to go find her and then make their way back into the US. So it's like a return trip. It's really weird. It's the pacing's a bit off. I didn't love it as much. So yeah, it's basically those two characters, like the daughter character of Isabella Merced and Benedict Tortoro, like build this relationship for the second half of the film kind of culminates in this thing right at the end. She thinks he dies but he's not dead. It's a whole thing. The first one's a lot better. I'll say the action kind of made it interesting enough, but it's not great. Yeah, I think I was talking to you about this earlier. So I'd seen the first one, I say by accident. It wasn't by accident, but we had no idea what this film was about, me and my friend. And mm. we'd, we were doing like a, a film thing at TAFE and, and we went to to go do our class and then they're like, oh, he's not there. You can either stay in the library or you can go. And so she's like, I want to go see a movie. So we went to see that and it was fantastic. Mm. And then 
the second one I was in, it was my last day in LA and we'd checked out of our like accommodation and had nothing to do. So we like put our stuff in storage and just went to see a movie. Um, and me and my mate Harry was so exhausted that we were falling asleep in it, which not an easy film to sleep through. No, but there's a lot happening. We missed as it. well. Like, so if you're falling asleep, it's we're like, huh? And on, then what was that? What's that connect to? Like, I don't think I've ever seen it since. I should. It's disappointing. Watch it again, if you haven't seen either, just watch the first one. I'd say you're not missing a great deal from the second one. It's disappointing because obviously Taylor Sheridan wrote both of them. I think it just comes down to the director. And like I said, Dallas Vigneault wrote the fir- like directed the first one, spot on. The second one, maybe just, he just didn't know how to handle that script and how to make it look properly on the I screen. need to watch this the first one again because I've not seen it since it came yeah. out. And just the dread I felt watching yeah. that movie in cinema it's was... Emily Blunt in it as well. That's why we went one. to see it. We went, oh, Emily Blunt's yeah, in yeah, it. We'll yeah. go see it. It's yeah. great. Though. And then we're like, so what? There's that chilling watching? scene at the end of the first one where he goes and sees the drought. Like, I think the... the the mob boss at the end with the, the mob boss is having the family the dinner. Family dinner. Yeah. So well done. Chilling. Yeah. If you've not seen it, I don't spoil it because yeah. it's, it's worth it's watching worth to watching experience it. Yeah. But yeah, it's absolutely. full on. Yeah. It's a full on film. Don't Second go one. in it if you're not ready for the violence that, yeah, in it. yeah, you gotta be in the mood. Same with the second one, like the violence in those first few scenes are like, whoa, okay. This is what we've set. This is what we're going with. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but I enjoyed it for that. Just wasn't maybe fully explored as the first one. And that's our what we've been watching for this week before we get into uh, some other stuff down a bit down the track in yeah. Christmas films. Alrighty. Trivia. Time for trivia. You ready? Second last one. Go for it. Do you want me to go first? Yes. Okay. This one is particularly for you. Uh, in Lost, which Egyptian goddess is depicted in the statue of above, above Jacob's lair? Tirouette? I think, yeah, I guess that's how you say it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I can't pronounce it correctly, but it's like Tirouette or Tirouette or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one. Yep. yep. I know my lost stuff. You do. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to put one in for you. Uh, so that is the four-toed statue. So when they start time skipping in the fifth season, they actually <laughs> briefly see the full statue when they look out towards the beach. It's a full-on statue, but because it's set back like when they're time flashing, in the current timeline, when they actually go to that on the beach, it's just the, the, the foot left, and that's where Jacob's lair is. Cool. Mo- moving on. Uh, <laughs> fun fact, you first see that se- that uh, four-toed statue in the um, – I think it's the season finale of season two when um, Saeed, Jin, and Sun take the boat that they have off Desmond to, to go and see the others that are around the other side of the island on their way. Cool. Cool. Uh, let, that's enough for lost questions for you. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to ask <laughs> you another lost out. question I like, again. <laughs> I didn't make them like specific for you, but I thought they were really cool questions. Oh, okay, um, thanks. Who was the first character to speak in the first Star Wars movie? C-3PO? Nailed it. Absolutely. I He's think the- we had that one in trivia at work oh, the other week. You? Yeah, okay. I'm cheating. I've uh, seen that's them, okay. obviously. You still have to think about it for a little bit. Yeah, he's the one that, you know, it's like R2-D2 goes across and he's like, where are you going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I was like, oh, that's a good question. Well, that's like speaking, but it's like, does R2 speak? I don't think he beeped yet. I don't think he beeped yet. Okay. Yeah. He just I would count the beeps, but I don't think he yeah. did. All right, fair enough. No, that's, <laughs> moving your, on. Your next one. Okay. In Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. what food is Scott Lang trying to eat when it's blown out of his hand? It's a taco. Yeah. It's a taco. That's the funniest scene as well when the spaceship rocks up and it just goes, foom. <laughs> yeah, because the Hulk gives him one. Remember? Yep. Yeah, it's so good. I've only seen that. No, I think I saw that twice. I, I saw it at the movies twice and I've seen it once since. I've seen it three times. Yeah. 
I loved it. So good. All right, your second question. Which two movies started from the same script? Oh, man. They're Spielberg. Yeah. One was E.T. Yeah. And the other one, oh, it's one of his big ones. And I always forget, is it? I'm just going to guess one. No, is it Indiana Jones? No. No. Close Encounters? No. Okay. Poltergeist. Yeah. It's one of those ones, you know when you know yeah. trivia, but you're never going to remember? Well, script, I was like, I've got to put this question in for you. I've not read either of them. No, but like you got E.T. straight away. The fact that you knew it was Spielberg and one was E.T. was far more than I was, I was super surprised. Like, well done. Thank Honestly, you. really good. Again, probably work trivia. Yeah, maybe. Potentially. Maybe? I don't know. I would like to know how they started at the same script and how you won't well, deviate from that really. Interesting. Well, they're kind of similar thematically. Both kids, yeah. both families, but something cool. comes down and, and sort of changes them all. Yeah. Well, E.T. comes down in Poltergeist Possessed. Yeah, good But it point. is very much a story of a family that is affected by a supernatural occurrence. Okay, I can see it now, yeah. And then it ha- it's how it changes the family. Anyway, um, that was a really intellectual. <laughs> hey, I just did Lost, so. <laughs> was that intellectual? No, but I ranted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on then. Okay, this is your last one. Yeah. Uh, in Dead Poet Society, what subject does John Keating teach? I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen it. Okay, just. It's got to be English. There you go. Yeah. Like, you got uh, it. Uh, like, I know what it's about. I just haven't seen it. I've been so meaning to for so long as well. It's a good one. I think I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. It's in my list on whatever streaming it is. I've added it, I've already added it. I'm just so bad. I haven't actually sat down and watched it. That's but okay. I've seen where he stands up on the table and all that. No, so it's English, yeah. 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 Dead Poets Society. Yep. It's kind of a giveaway as well. Nailed it. Okay, your last question. <laughs> Which movie holds the Guinness World Record for the biggest stunt explosion in cinema history? I'll give you a hint. It's a 007. Skyfall? No. I just guessed one. No, it is Spectre from 2015. Well, I mean, I was in the right ballpark of... Yeah, it had... um, The fourth film featuring Daniel Craig had an explosion that was equivalent of 68 tons of TNT. Jesus. And it was done to destroy the lead villain's base of operations. Admittedly, I don't think I've watched... Spectre? (laughs) No, um, I've seen one of them. And then ah. nearly finished another one, was but the never watched it. Was the one you've seen Casino Royale? No. Really? No, 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 no. I watched um, Moonraker, because uh, that's weird. Yeah, okay. And then, I, mean, I thought you meant the new movies. Okay. And then I went to watch one of them that was on the variety's top 100, and I never finished it. Was it? It's got to be Casino Royale. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. It's sitting in my stand halfway watched. I will endeavour to ask you while we have a break to finish it no i just want to get your no i don't know what film it is i'd love to know your opinion on casino royale okay yeah who's in that one daniel craig okay and um eve green eve eve eva green yes she's the love interest okay yeah but and mads mickelson okay yeah i just want your opinion yeah yeah yeah. no time frame you can watch it whenever i'm bad with bond films i just yeah I've seen most of them. I think nearly probably 90% of them. Remember, I grew up in the 90s and they were like on Channel 7 like nearly every second week. So when you chucked them on when there was no stream, it was just always on. GoldenEye, oh, banger. Watched that so many times. 
So good. Pierce Brosnan was a really good James Bond, I thought. Moving on. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> it's time to get sorry into... Sorry let everyone down. Look, you can enjoy our rants. We like to go on tangents every now and then, but I think you like to be on the journey with us, to be honest. You keep tuning in. <laughs> you just keep listening. You really like Mike Flanagan, so <laughs> go on from there. Uh, we'll get into the news. I'll start off. I'll kick it off. The horror movie hit adaptation Five Nights at Freddy's is getting a sequel and director Emma Tammy is coming back to helm the project. Sources have learned that Tammy, who directed the first film adaptation of the popular video game series, will return to direct Five Nights at Freddy's 2, which is expected to start production in 2024. It is unknown which other cast and crew will be returning for the sequel, but once once production commences, more should be revealed to the public. I actually do kind of want to see this. I'm curious yeah, enough about it that's that why I, will I watched it. Catch the first one, probably just once on streaming. I'm not that keen. Oh, um, uh, you could wait. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, I'm well, I guess I'll see the sequel if I like the first one. Yeah. It interesting did that it, incredibly well. I was going to say interesting that it immediately picked up a sequel. Well, you know how much it's done. So it was budgeted at 20 million. It's done 229 million. Far so out. huge. It is crazy. Well, it's it's the highest earning movie from Bloomhouse. Wow. Yeah. I've had kids come into my work and be like, do you have any FNAF F- stuff? And you're like, what's FNAF? And I'm like, <laughs> no. And they're like, that's okay. I'm like, Why are you reassuring me? Um, <laughs> like, but yeah, uh-huh. they're like really into yeah, it. Yeah, I've been panicked about it for this whole time. I'm like, yeah, no, no sorry. Um, there's like a le- there's like nine or ten games in the series now. Really? Yeah, they did the first five very quickly in like 2014, 2015. And then there's like a bunch of spin-offs, but they're like – in the same universe there's like a sister pizzeria and stuff yeah it's a whole thing the lore is massive so if you i i went down a rabbit hole after i watched it i was like on wikipedia i was in the games like stories and stuff i was looking up everything that involves like this person and that person and where that came from i was down a rabbit hole i know all about it now Shannon will do a solo episode on FNAF. FNAF. The kids. FNAF. So, yes, uh, it is returning. So, no surprise there with how well it did with the first one and how little it cost. That return is huge for um, that studio. So, no surprises. There is a second one coming. Crazy. Yeah. All right. And that brings us on to our second piece of news. Uh, the Barbie screenplay, screenplay will be published in book format and will include eight pages of photos from the film. At this stage, it's available for pre-order in the US and the UK and I need to figure out a way to get my hands on this. You're going to get this, aren't you? I was so, my friend sent it to me while I was working yesterday and I was like, "Ah." Um, I cannot wait. It'd be interesting to read that. Well, I've been trying to find it already. Um, You can't find it, obviously, for this reason. Um, I'm so keen. It looks gorgeous as well. Um, Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. So I'm going to try and get my hands on it because I think it's available in the US and UK, but you can always ship too. Yeah, oh, easy. Us. Easily, yeah. There'll be like, Amazon will do it. Surely. Yeah, I think they are. I'm just going to wait out a little bit. Just to see. See if I can get it without paying for shipping. Cause cheaper. No one wants to do that. No, cheaper. Uh, next part of the news is Furiosa, a Mad Max saga, has released the first teaser trailer this week. Set in a hellish future where traditional societies have collapsed a precious natural and precious natural resources like water are scarce, Furiosa tells the story of uh, how a much younger version of Furiosa is now played by Anna Taylor-Joy is forced to fight for her life after she's kidnapped from the green place of many mothers by the warlord Dementus, who is played by Chris Hemsworth. I haven't checked out this trailer, but I am oh, keen. Do it. It's got, it looks really action packed. It's, it's classic like Mad Max. It's very similar to the one that had um, Tom Hardy in it and um, 
yeah, it's interesting because Chris Hemsworth has his full-on Australian accent in it because it's an Australian yeah, film. Yeah, right. Because uh, Mad Max is originally. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks decent. I'm very, very excited to check this out. To be fair, I've actually not seen the original trilogy. I've only seen really? Fury Road like, what, six months ago? Yeah. So maybe I'll catch up on these. Fun fact for you. So the creators of Saw franchise – Got the idea of the first Saw film from one of the last scenes in Mad Max. See if you can pick up on it when you watch it. Probably won't. Haven't seen Saw. Uh, you will. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trust me. You will. Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. And you can definitely go, oh, that's genius. Yeah. I have been wanting to watch the original ones forever. It's funny because the first one's like it's set in apocalyptic wasteland, but because it, it didn't have much money because it was the first Mad Max. Yeah. It was very early days mo- uh, cinema as well. It's basically just slightly out back Australia. New South Wales. Yeah. The grass is still super green. The roads are still roads. They're all driving around really old Holden Commodores. Oh, my God. I have to watch this. And, yeah, it's a really young Mel Gibson. Um, it's re- The first one's really funny for that reason, but obviously two and three got a massive budget. budget jump, so they made it look apocalyptic. It was very funny. The first one's, yeah, it's great. I, yeah, I'm keen. I loved Mad Max. The um, Fury oh yeah, Road. the Fury yeah. Road was great. It so was good. so good. So uh, this week, Macaulay Culkin got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, among his friends and family were Catherine O'Hara and Natasha Lyonne, who honoured him in those little speeches that they do. Um, you can watch the ceremony online if you want to. It was really sweet. Yeah, I saw some photos from it and it looked really good. Like yeah, it was really like, oh, like, that's finally. It's about time. It's about time he got that. And you know, he's one of those typical child stars who dropped out for a while because they don't it's use insane. them in a ju- yeah i feel like after like 12 when they want them as kids they yeah. don't want them as teenagers sometimes they get picked up again as adults because they're like cool you're yeah. an adult now you can play different roles there's always a limbo period for them and that's when a lot of them get just chucked away yeah yeah it's wild and it's yeah wild to see but it was very very sweet and yeah. heartwarming to watch this one also it's Christmas. Get back into Macaulay Culkin. Why Absolutely. Not? Home Alone. It's coming back. Yeah, it was cool. I really enjoyed it. It was Nah, it's good. I like watching that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm glad he got it. It's really good. Also, if you've never the Hollywood Walk of Fame sounds prestigious, gorgeous, it's beautiful. Not. If you've ever been, <laughs> there's you're stars on ran- everywhere. And you're on a random street. Yeah. And then the next minute you turn a corner yeah. and you're like, oh, this is it. And then you're just battling crowds of people and just randoms on like you remember flea markets mm-hmm. back in the 90s yeah it's that on a street and people are trying to sell you their mixtapes it is yeah the weirdest i've heard that about the, where they put the stars yeah. and you can be in like any number of random streets trying to find like someone like someone you it's not like. glamorous yeah. no it's not they make it look like it when they set it up and give uh-huh. you the ceremony but it's it's, it's not. not it's wild it's not at um all. but you know that's hollywood that's hollywood the baby. Showbiz, baby yeah make it look good shine it up <laughs> yeah, gross. All right, last bit of the news. It's been a big week for TV teaser trailers. Fans can catch a glimpse of what's to come when shows like House of the Dragon Season 2, Halo Season 2, The Boys Season 4, and Fallout. I'm excited for some of these. <laughs> Not for others. <laughs> Admittedly, I've seen none of these. How Really? really? Yeah. So I've been watching the boys i'm not up to date i've still got a little bit of season three to go it is an interesting show really graphic because it's a graphic novel it's based on a graphic novel really graphic but really like smartly done too it's like if superheroes were commercialized so imagine like the avengers but if like 
it was a business. I did watch maybe three quarters of the pilot. Yeah, it gets it, it's pretty brutal. It's it's a lot of silly, gross stuff in there as well. Um, but so is the graphic novel. So anyone's like surprised by it. It's like it was always going to be there. Um, Halo. I've played the games, but I haven't watched the TV show because I heard nothing but really, really negative reviews about it. Also, he takes his helmet off, which in the show, which is if you've played the games, Master Chief ain't doing that. I can tell you that much. So I was just like, this isn't the same thing. This is not what, this is not Halo. Sorry, separate the two. So (laughs) I'm a purist there. I'm still halfway through House of the Dragon season one. As soon as it got the time skip and it changed actresses, I was like, I'm pretty done because I watched the uh, Australian, what's her name? Millie Alcott. Yeah, I watched her five episodes and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then I haven't watched the rest. Yeah, I tried watching this, God, I think last Christmas. Mm, It's been out for a little bit now. And then just didn't get into it. But then I never watched Game Game of Thrones. Thrones, Like fandom, like. I was really into it when it was like seasons, I think three, four, five. And I was like, this is like the best thing on TV, like by far, like easy at the time when it was at its peak. And then it just slowly fell off a cliff, especially in that last season. I'm one of the people that say that last season was probably the one of the worst things I've seen on TV. Well, that's the thing. Like I, I was late to the party on this because back when it was airing in Australia, you pretty Mm. much had to have people either A have Foxhill or B have Illegal copies and then they'd have like house parties for everyone to come around and watch it. It It was crazy. I was still in school and then I was a bit behind and I started, I watched the first season, got up to like the second episode of season two Mm. and I literally was starting my first year of uni and I went, well, it's Game of Thrones or it's uni and it probably should be uni because I'm about to be in a ton of debt. Uh, And then I just never caught back up because it's it's a lot. It's a lot. lot. And I knew half the plot because. I've read the first two books as well. Uh, very uh-huh. the, the the show did very well of adapting the first couple of books, but that was the issue that it was having later on as well, is the show went past the books. Pretty much season seven and eight was past where J.R. Martin, G- Martin had written up yep. to. And you could tell that because they had no direction uh, like blueprint of yeah. where to go they struggled also they i have really struggled a lot of professional things to say about how they handled the last season oh uh, poorly yeah. is the correct answer which i won't go into right now but the coffee cup thing the star wars thing the really dark that, scenes in one of the episodes and then just how they would completely teleport across the map in i just like think one it was episode. i was like it was out. so lazy because they wanted lazy. to go do other yeah. things and then yeah. those other projects went <laughs> not with that attitude yeah not with what how this turned which out which is kind of beautiful that yeah, they doubled that. down they got dropped for everything I don't after think, that. have they done anything since no, they got dropped from well, everything that's what happens when season. you're pretentious they were super pretentious um, and Fallout is obviously a game as well. Yes. Um, it's got that um, girl out of first season of Yellow Jackets, Ella Purcell yes. in it as one of the main actresses in it. So I'm actually interested to see how this turns out. I love the story of Fallout. I don't like playing it because it's very clunky as well. It's made by the same people who make Skyrim and they're, not, they're notorious for bugs and stuff. So I don't like playing their games. But story-wise, this should turn out really well as a TV show. Might check it out. Interested to see. It's Amazon Prime. I think it's launching in April. Okay. Well, I've got time. Yeah, we've got a time to get ready for that one. It's a whole episode in Fallout. Maybe. Maybe. It's April. It's a while off. Um, but that's our news. We are all wrapped up for the news for this week, which means we're getting into the main topic of the episode. And what better to pick the start of December than to do Christmas movies? 
Yay! I'm excited. Christmas. Christmas time. So we've got a bunch of movies here. We're just going to list off and go through. I think you've picked pretty much the ones that are good to talk about. And we'll just kind of discuss them. If we've seen them, if we haven't, if we're not, how we feel about them and kind of just go from there. Yeah, I just sort of got a popular list of I the, think the big ones. you've wrapped up pretty uh, well uh, them. And most of them I've seen. Most of them I've seen, except just for the, some of the older ones. I haven't seen the next two. A little bit to chat about, but... Um, yeah. So we'll get started. Yeah, let's we'll get just started. go for a list. Um, if I'll just say if we've missed any or if there's some in particular that you really kind of like hold dear as a Christmas movie and we haven't spoken about, write in. We'll say something probably on our socials like Instagram to also mention these ones. Um, we haven't got Shrek the Halls in there because a decisive opinion is I don't think it's a movie. It's half an hour long. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it because it's not a movie. Okay. So write in if you think you disagree with me on that one. But Shrek the Halls is not a Christmas. What's well, a? It's a Christmas something, not a movie. Look, um, I'm going to admit while we right at the top, uh, I'm not a Christmas movie person. I'm not a Christmas person to be honest. Well, when you come from retail, like we both oh, have, it's it way before that. It scarred us. Well, yeah, true for you, but um, we just haven't really had a chance to celebrate it the same as other people have. Also, wearing Australia and Queensland sweating. It is sweaty as here right now, and it's just going to be just as hot when it gets to the 25th. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, snowy, lovely time. If it was that, it'd be great. And I'm like, I don't – what? <laughs> you haven't even seen snow. I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> you haven't even seen snow. So. And we've already just pivoted into me just being <laughs> deeply disappointed. Oh, you're depressed? Moving on. No, someone <laughs> someone paid for me to cross snow. We'll start a GoFundMe. Yeah. Look, GoFundMe. Let's get uh, Letitia to, I don't know, at least Threadbow. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere better, hopefully, but at least Threadbow. Moving on. Anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> let's get um, into the movies. All right. The first one on our list is one that I have not seen. I was waiting for December. Um, and then I was like, oh my gosh, it's on top of me. Uh, <laughs> so in the next couple of weeks, I will genuinely watch this one yeah, this yeah, is yeah. it's a wonderful life from 1946 starring james stewart donna reed lionel barrymore thomas mitchell and henry travers it's directed by frank capra and written by francis goodrich albert hackett and frank capra this one is just one that everyone talks about it's I've sort of a, a scrooge-esque yeah. Yeah. type um like an angel comes down and i think sort of just teaches them it's a wonderful life i think it's sort of set wartime era yeah 46 yeah um and i don't have a lot to say about it because i haven't seen it but when i watch it i'll write something about it yeah it's um, one of those iconic early christmas movies yeah every, it's known for every year someone tells me to watch this um and then recently one of my good friends Brittany, who's also a friend of the podcast was like no this is like watch it yeah um so i i was like okay next christmas i'm watching it which incidentally is now this christmas yeah it gets like that doesn't it but um <laughs> it's like the memes i've seen it's like january and it's like blank but the blank is like barbenheimer and then it's <laughs> like the next thing is like oh december <laughs> literally <laughs> that's how this um, this year is felt but yeah i don't have much to say about it except that i do want to watch it and this is sort of me saying it out loud so everyone can hold me i'm gonna hold you accountable hold me t- accountable when it gets to 25th i'll be like how was that movie how was it's a wonderful life yeah, and you'll tell me. I will. Yeah. Um, the next on. one is Carol 2015 starring Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Sarah Paulson, Kyle Chandler and Jake Lacey. It's directed by Todd Haynes and written by Phyllis Nagy, which is based on the book The Price – well, it's written by her and then based on the book The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. Um, it's about an aspiring photographer who develops an intimate relationship with an older woman in 1950s New York. Have you seen this one? I haven't seen this one, no. Okay, I have, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think I went to the cinemas to see it maybe by myself. 
maybe with a friend. Couldn't tell you. It's gorgeous. Forget the plot and why I care about it with Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Um, yes, I know what the plot is. It is shot so beautifully. Who directed it? Uh, Todd Haynes. Okay. He's done a bunch of stuff that I can't think of right now. Um, and he's about to do another one, I think. It's like film grain. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so beautiful. It's only 2015. Okay. Only 2015. Like you have yeah, genuinely. Right. Like, Well, if you're watching A Wonderful Life, I'll watch Carol. You will love it. Okay. Like it's so gorgeous. Mm. Every part of this film is put, like forget the plot for a minute. Every bit of it is just, shut up, just looking at me like that, is put together. Like stunning. Okay. Stunning film. I will endeavor to watch that. Also, I was going to say nice plot. It's not. It's kind of depressing. But, That's fine. you know. I'll watch it's it. It's the 50s. Fine. Yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> And yeah, the acting's just fantastic as well. Yeah. And next one, another decisive movie about is it a Christmas film or not? I watched it this week. I believe it is. Do you believe it is? Yeah. Yeah. So Die Hard from 1988 is a Christmas film. Die Hard. Starring Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman and Bonnie Bedelia. Directed by John McTiernan. I love this film because it's so good. It's just... Pure action, it's Bruce Willis in the 80s and Nakatomi Plaza. So I'd seen all of the iconic bits of this over yeah. the years because, again, we used to watch all these Christmas movies yeah. on free-to-air TV growing up pretty much. So you'd see bits one Christmas, bit the and, next and, Christmas. And you're like, it's, I've seen this film. One <laughs> one year you might get it all, all yeah. together. Um, but, you know, I watched this this week, particularly for this episode. Um, yeah. It's so much fun. It's a great it's action so film. Fun, yeah. and. The plot is heavily centered around the fact that it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. Thus, it is a Christmas film. I agree with you. I think it is. Not a traditional romantic Christmas film. No, which is what everyone expects, but it is. But it is a Christmas film. I love the scene where he's he's, he's walking through. Crawling. He's crawling through the the air vents, the air ducts, and he says that iconic quote. He's like, come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. It's so good. It's really iconic. Love it. It's, uh, yeah, classic Bruce Willis. I love that first film. Really good. Yeah, a lot of people like again get all like, oh, "Is it a Christmas film?" I think if a film is, if the story heavily is based heavily based around Christmas, Christmas yeah. it's a Christmas film. Yeah, it's also an action film. Yeah, but that's but the it's same a with film. the ones that we're going to get to later. Like if we get when we get to like Love Actually, yeah. it's like it's a Christmas film with a romantic story. Yep, but it's still a Christmas film. Same with this. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So my next one is on the list: The Apartment. Mm-hmm. I've spoken about this ad nauseum. Nineteen sixty. Jack Jack Lemon, Shelley McLean, Fred McMurray, yeah. directed by Billy Wilder, written by Billy Wilder and IAL Diamond. Just gorgeous film. I didn't realize it was a Christmas film when you've kind of mentioned to I me think to I watch forgot it. Forgot because yeah, like it's set at Christmas, therefore it's a Christmas yeah, film. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. but it's not like it's not super centered around yeah Christmas in terms of like the stakes. Like it could be set. At Easter, it could be set not with any other time of tell. the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just happens to also be Christmas time. Yeah, which yeah. sort of falls more towards the second half, towards the end of the film, where it's like, yeah, the okay. days of Christmas, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, this one is one of the, like, arguably not my opinion, one of the best films made. Okay, and written. I will. Check. Um, I've, I've got to see it. Got to see it. I've given you back the DVD because that one won't work in my player, but it's on MGM Grand and I've got MGM Grand. I need to watch it. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. I know. I think if anyone hasn't seen it, you'll enjoy it. I'll check it out. Um, But that's my spiel on that one. 
Next one is Gremlins from 1984, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, John Louis, and Corey Feldman. I've got Corey Feldman's in this. Yeah. Directed by Joe Dante and written by Chris Columbus. Of course it's written by Chris Columbus. Of course. Harry Potter. A young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town. I watched this movie when I was maybe like nine or ten. Yeah, I think I was about the same age. And it scared me. Not because it was scary, but just because the way it eerily at the end just goes, oh, but just in case, better check under your bed. Just in case there's gremlins. That freaked me out. Yeah, I lived in a haunted house at that point. um, And my bed was very very high for me being like short and little. This was a creepy film. Like, don't get me wrong. It's definitely like it's aimed towards a younger kind of demographic. Like it's accessible, Mm -hmm. but it's still creepy. Like the puppets and stuff are gross. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although Gizmo is the Malgoi is pretty adorable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love this film. It's very well done. I remember when this came out around the same time at Movie World, they had a Gremlins ride and uh, yeah, they all kind of like popped out when you went along the, like the, the ride and stuff. It was, it was creepy. It was cool though at the same time. Yeah. I love this movie. There's particularly a couple scenes that are very much Christmassy. I love when it pops out of the Christmas tree. Well, that quote, but yeah, there's like one where like the gremlin pops out of the Christmas tree. And every time I see my Christmas tree, I'm like, there's a, there's a gremlin a in gremlin? there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's that bit, which is so random because it's a bit of a slow movie, this one, before it gets really yeah, heavy into the action. Yeah, it sets the scene. Um, and Phoebe Cates plays, like, the love interest of um, – what's his name? Zach. Of Zach, Zach character. Yeah. And um, Billy, the, the kid Billy. And then she's like, oh, I'm not really into Christmas. And he's like, what do you mean you're not into Christmas? Yeah. Like, he's, like, that person that just loves it. Yeah. And she – sort of casually gets in this really dark monologue about the fact that one year dad her left. dad yeah. disappeared at, at Christmas and and then they could smell something and they thought it was like a cat in their chimney and they went to check and dad had dressed up like Santa and was going to go down the chimney and put presents in there for her. Um, and died. that's when she learnt that Santa wasn't real. And I was sort of pretending to still believe in Santa at this age. It was like... Yeah, yeah. On and off yeah, the fence. Yeah. Like, I, if I believe I get presents, so why not? Let's just keep this going. Let's go going. in this, this train. Um, and I remember being like, whoa. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. But then the movie's just like, oh. and It just ignores it. Just sort of ignores it. There's big issues. There's gremlins wrecking the town. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I love It's just so weird it's and dark. It's such a good quote that they just move on. And just move on. <laughs> and people sort of forget about it. And I'm like, no, that no, one. That's just important. That one stuck with me because yeah. it was so weird yeah, to just so strange. throw in there. Like, makes sense for character development. But yeah. To have it and then throw it away. Yeah. Wow. Um, I love Gremlins. One of my favorite Christmas movies. It's very good. Yeah. Next one is Elf. 2003. Now, this is going to be everyone's kind of big Christmas movie, I feel. Everyone kind of talks about Elf, you know, when it comes to Christmas movies and the ones they remember. It's like, oh, yeah, this and maybe one or two others. My older Elf. cousin that I was telling you about the roller coaster thing, mm-hmm. he loves this film. Everyone does. I think it's okay. You I've, don't like it, do you? I've never seen it full way. <gasps> oh, interesting. So this one's starring Will Ferrell, James Caan, Bob Newhart, and Zoe Deschanel, and it is directed by John Favreau, and but it's written by David Berenbaum. Interesting. Interesting yes, that it's, it's directed by John Favreau. I didn't realise that. Yes, yeah, so this one's about an oversized elf buddy who travels from the North Pole to NYC to meet his biological father, Walter Hobbs, who doesn't know he exists and is in a desperate need for some Christmas spirit. Um... Yeah. It's fine. I can't say it's much because I've never seen it all the way through. Yeah, it's basically Buddy is this 
he's left at the North Pole. So when he's like a kid, he thinks he's one of the elves because he's the same size as them. But then when he grows up, he gets massive and he turns into Will Ferrell. So he's sitting in these really small seats. All the other elves are like like elf size and he's monstrous and it's pretty evident he's a normal human. But um, And someone, I think Zoe Deschanel is like he, the love interest later yeah. when he gets to New York and she's got blonde hair. So it's just weird for me anyway. Um, <laughs> no, but you're right. But yeah, right. And yeah, it's like a journey of him when he gets to New York and it's like a fish out of water because he's obviously being brought up in the whole spirit of Christmas being an elf. And he goes to New York, which is pretty grumpy. Pretty pretty grumpy. No one talks to each other. And I just remember the scene where he realizes what junk food is and he's just eating all the different things at the table. Like he's having all these different snacks with other snacks. And I was like, that's vomit-inducing to begin with. But Will Ferrell plays it really well. Like he plays it – classic Will Ferrell where he's – he plays it on the nose, but he knows where the line is with this one in particular. And he doesn't – he just toes on it enough to be like – really silly but also heartwarmingly innocent at the same time so i think his portrayal as buddy the elf is really good james khan is like the dad who doesn't want anything to do with him is quite funny but obviously he comes around the end because it is a you know it's a heartfelt christmas movie um yeah it's fine it's okay it's watchable for me it's watchable it's not my favorite christmas movie but it's a lot of people's favorite i know that so yeah i can't fault it because it's No. no one's fault other it's, than just yeah, not my thing. Yeah. And I, I don't know, we didn't really grow up in a household either where we watched stuff each year. Like we didn't have that. We have one. Like tradition that we'll a lot of people have. Um, ours was kind of just like, it's December. Um, mm. We'll just flick on the TV and what's on. watch what's on. Yeah. So some of them I saw, some I didn't. Most of them I never finished all the way through. Yeah. Which is kind of that thing in my household yeah. really. Um, yeah, we only have one tradition and it's always, it's a, it's a movie that's always played on Christmas night anyway on normal TV. But we'll get to that one later. I mean, okay. Yeah. Um, the next one on the list was Happiest Season from 2020 starring Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Mary Steenburgen, Victor Garber, Alison Brie, Mary Holland, Dan Levy and Aubrey Plaza. Um, it's directed by Clea Duvall and written by Clea Duvall and Mary Holland who stars yeah, both in the film. Um, this one is sort of your typical Christmas movie Bit more serious though. Yeah. Um, so a young woman's plan to propose to her girlfriend while at her family's annual holiday party is upended when she discovers her girlfriend hasn't yet come out to her conservative parents. Ah, uh, yes. Um, sounds that really old dark. Chestnut. <laughs> Isn't. Um, it's one of those weird ones that got sort of mixed reviews because some people were sad that it wasn't the super super cheesy Christmassy yeah, rom com. Yeah. No darkish elements. Um. And then other people liked it. I liked it. I thought it was a great film. Um, toes the line of like silly Christmas, but um, also like a real story. Real story. Yeah. Um, surprise, it turns out fine. Um, well, it's still a Christmas It's a Christmas movie. film. I think the standouts for this movie particularly were Kristen Stewart, Dan Levy, and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. The chemistry between those That's why I want to see it. Moments. I love all of them. Yeah. The it's, cast list is banging in this film genuinely That's why i want to see why it. i was so keen to watch it yeah. when it came out um me and my friend nadia went to see it and i loved it um at the cinema yeah i didn't think it was at cinemas because it, it came out on dvd so sort quickly. of i think it was one of those like at cinemas also you can just buy it you can pretty much just buy it because it was 2020 and it yeah. kind of got oh yeah it ruined was too. Yeah. by covid yeah um but yeah i like this one it's it's good it's good I'll check i don't it think out. it deserved the flack yet. um yeah. i was saying to shannon i read the script last night and it's interesting 
to read the bits that didn't make it into the film mm. or the bits that made it into the film but they weren't in the like early scripts. Um, it's got like a really heartfelt bit right at the climax. Yeah, which, you said that that wasn't in there, but yeah, it kind of creates the creates film. the film and like the point, which I think a lot of people missed because they need to go outside and get off the internet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Check it out. I think it's on binge in Australia at the moment. Might. Yeah, or Netflix or something it's like that. Of, it's definitely on a streaming service. I've flicked past it a couple of times. I will check it out. The next one is Bad Santa from quite a while ago, actually. Yep, I put the wrong date in, sorry. Uh, that's uh, fine. I was like, it's not this year. Uh, I think it's about 20 years old. I think it's 2003. That's probably where I, I got I think that's where it is. I have seen it, but I haven't seen it probably since about 2005. Yeah, I saw it a couple – I saw it in bits part of, like a couple of years it's ago. It's just like – it's like a naughty Santa film that does end up – being okay in the end. Um, yeah, it's Billy Bob Thornton plays this like mall cop, not mall cop, mall Santa. Paul Blart. Paul Blart, mall cop. Paul Santa Blart comes edition. up a lot surprisingly in this podcast. I know. There's actually a honest trailer for it that I played the other day because it got made and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I sent it to Ben. <laughs> uh, moving on from Paul Blart, mall cop. Um, Bad Santa, I can't talk too much about it. I haven't seen it in... Literally nearly close to 20 years. Um, it was fine. It's it's one of those cheeky comedies that's more aimed at like your young teens, early 20s kind of age group so that they can watch a Christmas film. It's just silly, stupid fun. Um, it's definitely that MA type though. And then they made a sequel, Bad Santa 2, around 2020. And apparently that was horrific. So just watch the first one if you're going to watch that. Don't watch the second one. If you have seen like either of the bad Santas, write in, let us know if it's worth watching. Yeah, we might check like, it out in December. I'd watch it again. I can't remember much about it besides Billy Bob Thornton literally hates everything to do with Christmas and, and all that and he still has to be a mall Santa and there's a whole plot about him, I think, stealing something from the mall but he doesn't go through with it. I can't remember too much about it. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, next one, recent favourite of mine. Uh, I watched this last year. The Muppets Christmas Carol from 1992 yeah. starring Michael Caine uh, and Michael Caine. The Muppet. Um, it's directed by Brian Henson and it's oh, written okay. by Jerry Jewell and Charles Dickens, obviously, because it's Christmas Carol. Christmas yeah. Carol. Um, and the Muppets present their own touching rendition of the Charles Dickens classic. Have you seen this? No. No, that's fine. I haven't, um, I haven't seen it. I talk like I've seen all the Muppet movies. I've really only seen a couple, but God, do I love them. Um <laughs> is this your like secret love? Is oh, Muppet movies? Love the Muppets. Kermit, Miss Piggy. Yeah, would you ever watch it and go, oh, that, I didn't enjoy that? You have fun. No. Also, this, I was watching it last year. Um, Michael Caine is fantastic in this. Yeah. He's, he's a great actor. The way he acts, oh, this is so good. And there's a scene where like Tiny Tim is, is really <laughs> sick. And I was watching it last year and. Uh, Found a little tear in my eye, and oh, I went, "No, at the Muppets am movie, I crying over Tiny Tim." Yeah, because <laughs> Michael Caine does such a good job that you're like, "Oh no, Tiny Tim!" Oh no, Tiny Tim! Like, it's so silly. Will he survive? But yeah, if you haven't seen this and you like the Muppets, or you just need a new Christmas movie because yeah. you've gone through a few, God, watch it. It's so much fun. Okay. Also, so touching. Tiny I Tim. haven't seen many of the Chris, uh, not the Christmas, the Muppets, Muppets. movies. I should do a straight run through all the Muppet movies. Muppets Have you in Space. Treasure Island? No. It's one of my favourites. Start there. Start that one? Okay. Yeah. There's that one. There's the Muppets in Space. They do the, there's the one with Jason Siegel. There's like the well. new ones. There's the new which ones. I haven't really seen. No. I will endeavour to watch some Muppet movies. Remember the Muppets? Fantastic. Yeah. Christmas Carol. 
The next movie that we've got on our list, now this is something that I hold dear to my heart because I remember watching this when I was a young boy, a young lad. Uh, it is The Santa Claus from 1994 starring Tim Allen, Judge Ryan Hold, Wendy Crewson, Eric Lloyd, and David Crumholds, directed by John Pasquin and written by Leo Benventui and Steve Rudnick. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. If I watch this movie one more time, I'll kill myself. Like, I've seen that. (laughs) So many times. many times. Uh, See, for me, I've seen this one countless times. I haven't seen two or three or now what they've got on Disney Plus, which is kind of ruining the franchise, is the Santa Clauses, which is the TV series. Oh. Yes. Okay. You know, I've seen one, two, and three. Uh, The first one probably more than any of them Mm. for obvious reason. The second one I remember quite a bit as well because I think that was like one they'd put on at school for us to watch because it was a bit more recent than like the original. The third one I vaguely remember because that's the one with Jack Frost. Jack Frost, yeah. Which like I have vague. The escape clause. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I used to love this. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Love them so much. And now it's just like I I can't do it again. I like the first one because it's the setting up of the story and it's like the – juxtaposition between he's like you know his real life and him becoming santa and is he gonna do it or not yeah the son believes but no one else believes the son and it's oh it's really good i didn't realize that david crumholtz like i didn't know who he was as a kid yeah, but yeah. now i've seen him in like a bunch of, of stuff a bunch yeah. of films from yeah. the 90s that i particularly like am a fan of and i'm like whoa it's the same guy but anyway also judge reinhold fast times oh my goodness i was like why do i know <laughs> yeah, this? i was yeah. writing it down i couldn't work it out fast times well, he's a bit older there, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's him as the other dad. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's- I loved the Santa Claus. And then the second one was pretty good as well too because if I remember That's when he right- gets the wi- wife? Yeah. That's played by Elizabeth Mitchell, who funnily enough is in Lost as Juliet. Funny. Um, <laughs> I like hold back sometimes and I like, don't annoy people. On the- but anyway, um, you're like, nah, I'm going to talk about Lost. Um. <laughs> I think the second one was he is now Santa and he's trying to balance yeah. between being like a it's dad more so, uh, yeah. and also I'm Santa. Yeah. Because the first one he's like doesn't believe that it's a thing. Like was that a fever dream that I did That's that? That's right. And then yeah, he yeah. starts to get fat and he grows the beard and he's like, oh, oh, and then yeah. No, these ones are particularly good. Tim Allen is – I like Tim Allen. He's never bad. Is when he I watched well? Home Improvement, I was like, no, nah, this is great. Even now, like it's just fun. I loved it. Yeah, Tim Allen's great. And obviously he does the Toy Story mm-hmm. movies as well. He yeah, he can't go wrong. Uh, now we're moving on to How the Grinch Stole Christmas from 2000 and also Dr. Seuss's The Grinch from 2018. I have to admit, yeah, I don't recall if I've ever seen How the Grinch Stole Christmas in full. The Jim Carrey one? Yeah. Like, I think I have. I've yeah. seen bits of it, like, so many times. And I remember seeing it at school a bunch. But I don't think... Yeah, okay. It's a fever I could have, I could have seen it all the way through. But when I was, like, very little. Yeah. But I know people, like, adore this. I only saw both of these last weekend and in succession. So I watched the Dr. Seuss's The Grinch first. Then I watched the house, the, the one from 2000. I really like the Dr. Seuss animated one because it's... It's kitty. It's lighthearted. It makes sense for Christmas. It's the same story, but it's it just seems a bit lighthearted. It's a bit more fun. It's not silly kind of kitty stuff. It's it's well done. I really enjoyed that one. And then when I put on how the Grinch stole Christmas afterwards, it's a lot darker. It's oh, a it's lot. Bizarre. It's bizarre, and it's also very yeah, absurdist. Uh, 
Jim Carrey, this has to be one of his best roles he's ever done. Jesus Christ, the range on this man from this movie. Wow. It's so well how he can input all the adult humor in it, but also grounded as still a kid's film as well. I thought it was genius. Like that part where he's like getting changed and then he's like, I've got nothing to wear. And then he puts on something and he looks at himself and he does this little dance like, oh, I look good. And then he's like, that's it. I'm not going. And he like walks off. It's so well, like he's, he's a genius. I think Jim Carrey is a comedy genius in my opinion. I know he does a lot of like slapstick style comedy, but I couldn't imagine anyone else doing the stuff that he does like Ace Ventura and Liar Liar, this Truman Show. Like he's got a range as well. Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. I mean, there is that other one. What is it? Not Zodiac, that other. <laughs> that was terrible. The other one he did. It was around that time. No, we'll anyway, Internal um, Spotless Mind was phenomenal. I think he's fantastic. And this particular stands out because of his acting. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Also, I love how people like lose their mind. How like, I think it's Taylor Momsen. Was she's like the little cute little kid. girl, and yeah. now she's like death metal. Well, well she, she was did, for a while. She did also. She, went, did, she did that, and then she went, gossip. did Gossip Girl. And she, as she was going through Gossip Girl, you can see the part in the seasons where she's obviously being influenced by the music she's listening to, and then obviously she started the band. It's about season three because in the first two seasons she's like this preppy girl. She's wearing all dresses and nice stuff. Then you get about like half a through season three, she's just like heavy heavy eyeliner and then just wears all this grunge stuff and they kind of incorporate it into the story but you can tell she's like nah f that i'm wearing what i want to wear on set you can write the story around it and then after that i'm pretty sure she gets written out of it after season four yeah because like what do we do with what this? do we do with this That's amazing and, um, yeah she went on to do start on the pretty reckless as a band and she still does that now yeah so crazy but yeah that's her as like a little 10 year old as um was it cindy Lou cindy Lou, i think cindy Lou who yeah I think. No, yeah. it is, yeah. Uh, these are good. These are definitely Christmas films. They're a lot of fun. Kids can enjoy them. I love the little dog Max in both the oh, films. Max. Adorable so in both of them. So really well done. Yeah. Um, we'll skip through a couple. Have you seen yeah. Violent Night? I have seen Violent Night, but I have previously spoken about it about a month or two ago. It is David Harbour's as Santa, but he's kind of like has to save a kid from an attacking yeah. – someone's attacking his family and – Pretty sure as Santa, he's got a violent past before he came, became Santa and he protects the kid by killing these robbers. It's fun. It's pretty quick. It's punchy. It's like an hour and a half. Uh, it's definitely a Christmas film from last year and it's not one for the kids, but if you like action and a Christmas movie, this is one to check out. The next one though. That's your family favourite? This is the family favourite. So this is a tradition in my family, my Parents and me will watch this whenever I'm down for Christmas. It's either on on Christmas or they've got the DVD. Trust me, they'll put that on. It's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989, starring Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Juliette Lewis, Johnny Galecki, Randy Quaid, and Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. Now, this one is written by John Hughes, which I did not realise, which is really actually oh, interesting. He also did um, Home Alone. He did a bunch I of mean, stuff. I mean, everything well, else. Yeah, John Hughes from the, yeah, that I era. I love him. Yeah, and directed by Jeremiah S. Chekik. Um. Yeah, it makes sense when you know it's written by John Hughes as to why this is actually so witty and so well done. Tell me why I need to watch it this Christmas because I've never seen National Lampoons. Any of them? No. So it's it's classic, like like a family dynamic, but everything they try and do as a family is super dysfunctional. In this one in particular, they're obviously setting up for Christmas and the extended family is coming to stay with them. 
So there's just huge hijinks out of when the other extended family comes and live with them. Chevy Chase plays the obviously the patriarch of the family, uh, Clark Griswold. He's just a you know an everyday man. He's just trying to get the best for his family, um, but he's also clumsy at the same time. He's trying to put up Christmas lights, have the best in the whole you know street and all that. It doesn't work. But when one of the family members goes and turns off this like, there's like extension cords into extension cords into extension cords. It's like this big. And one of the grandmas turns it on and he thinks he's turned it on as he's powering it up and it lights up the whole street. It's got Juliet Lewis as the daughter and John and Galecki as the son. Uh, it's really funny watching them as like younger kids in this. Uh, there's a scene where they go and pick up the Christmas tree that they're going, they go really out of town to pick it up. And they're like, oh, we had to drive ages to see it. And it's like, she's out there shivering, Juliet Lewis. And it's like, oh, what do you think? Um, whatever her name yep. is. And, she, and the, the the wife uh, goes, it's okay. She can't see it. Her eyes are frozen over. <laughs> <laughs> She'll see it later, honey. It's just little like, bits like that. It's definitely a John Hughes style like humor throughout. And it's a, it's a tradition because it's just funny. Julia Lewis-Dreyfus, you know, from Seinfeld, uh, yeah, no, yeah. plays the neighbor and she's like this really yuppie type and she's um, – yeah, she's kind of like a little bit of a B to him as well. And it's a cunny, uh, kind of a funny like um, playoff between those two. Yeah, perfect film. Perfect um, 80s I um, uh, Christmas film. Like I'm not a big Christmas person, but I actually might check it, Honestly, check it out this Christmas. Um, I love the cast. Such a good time. Love John Hughes. Yeah. I think maybe it's maybe give, it's time I check this one give out. Give it a crack. Because it wasn't, yeah, Christmas tradition. Yeah. Um, and that being said, I probably won't watch it with family. But my parents will get a laugh out of this every time they put it on. I and love I that. I enjoy. Though. For me, that watching them enjoy it is kind of funny. What, what's, yeah, it's what's the tradition now? I enjoy that. It's really good. Uh, the next big one we'll talk about mm. is Home Alone from 1990, starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, and Catherine O'Hara. It's directed by Chris Columbus and written by John Hughes. If anyone doesn't know what Home Alone's about, <laughs> it's about an eight-year-old troublemaker mistakenly left home alone and he must defend his home against a pair of burglars on Christmas Eve. This is probably the Christmas film I've seen most. The most, yeah. Just because it was on TV and it's so much fun to watch. The second and third one, definitely maybe seen the second one. Third one. I've seen the third one. Could have seen it, maybe. It's a different actor. Yeah. Different family as well. But it, it was still went to cinemas, actually. The third one was still kind of big. But the first one... It's so good. Like, there is a reason mm. that everyone watches it every year. Macaulay Culkin is so charismatic. Yeah, as this little eight-year-old as well. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. Mm. You just want to see it, like, again. again. Um, yeah, I love it. It's the scenes where he he's so obviously good. mistaking Joe Pesci. He's the burglar. He's, like, tricking him with, like, the movie playing and yeah. stuff and the gunshots and all the little traps he set. It's just adorable. And then watching them clumsily, like, fall into it. It's yeah. just a lot of fun. And I was that kid that was, like, I'm going to set up booby traps. Yeah. Like, I, I have, <laughs> as a child, made oh, booby traps. Yeah. I would see this stuff and be, like, I'm going to be that kid. I'll be that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would do what he did at Home Alone, you know, go do the shopping and stuff so and good. get the food and that. Uh, he's very self-sufficient little boy. It's very good. It was very good. It and, was is, and that heartfelt thing with the, the older neighbour as yeah. well, that's really nice touching at the end as well because I, th- I don't know if you pick up on it, like his family obviously come back and realise he's been left alone and they're all like, oh, wow, like come and see him. Less than a minute later, everyone leaves him. 
Oh yeah, he's in the room alone again. Yeah, it's like they don't actually care. It was it was really sweet watching Catherine O'Hara um do a little speech the other yeah. day, and she made a, a mention like, you know, I'm still in your life, the kind of thing. You still want me here? Um, after I played your mum and left you alone not once but twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny because they did obviously the second film. Uh, lost in New York. Yeah, it's just like they have a lo- there's a lot of children in that family though. Like there's like seven. Yeah. And um the Culkin brother? Kieran? Kieran Culkin's in it? Yeah. As the little brother who's always drinking the Pepsi. That's it. Yeah, it's he's you. Lit- it's me. I'm going <laughs> I'm him. But he's always- literally in every movie, he's just drinking the Pepsi. He's like smiles at the camera kind of thing. And it's so he's so little. Oh, I I'm not going to watch Home Alone again, no. but definitely they, watch the They did a one, new though. one with um Oh, what's her name? She's a famous comedian. It could be anyone. Very great. No, Irish? Is she Irish? I don't know who it is. Oh, okay. Well, they did a new one. Apparently, it's is not The Home Alone or bad. something. Home al- Being Home Alone. It's like H- the Disney H- Plus movie, H- right? H&B, I think. Yeah, okay. It's fantastic. But um, I haven't seen it. But apparently, it's 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 the Disney pretty, Plus Direct. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. Um, Obviously, never going to compete. But well, because they went for a pretty bad era. I think after three, which was the one that still went to cinemas and wasn't too bad, they did four and five, which were just awful, awful films. I don't know why they made them. And then they, yeah, you see, no one knows about them. And then they've come back with the Disney Plus mm. ones now. So I think, yeah, it shouldn't be too bad. Um, our next one is one that everyone's going to come after me for because I really did not enjoy this film. Have you seen it? Yeah, I like it. Uh, Love Actually 2003, starring a bunch of people because it's sort of eight storylines. Yeah, lines. it's one of those original stories. But like Hugh Grant, interconnected. Um, Liam Neeson, Laura Linney, Bill Nye, Colin Firth, Emma Thompson, Keira Knightley, yep. Martin Freeman. Um, written and directed by Richard Curtis, and it's sort of eight lives all intermingled. Someone knows someone else from that one. That one yeah. knows someone else. It's yeah. at Christmas. I hated this. Why did you hate it though? I can't tell you. Just a vibe. Just one. You know when you're watching it and you just yeah. can't get into it. And I just didn't. I like, see, I like it. So I've got films like that, though, that you've got. Yeah. But this isn't one for me. This is, I I wouldn't say I love it. I like it. It's enjoyable. Yeah. Did, if it's on, I'll watch it. Just didn't get it. Yeah. Didn't get it. Didn't, like, I mean, I got it, but I didn't, <laughs> like, I just couldn't work out why it was so beloved. I think it's because it's, it's supposed to represent, like, everyday lives and, like, you know, like, every, the thing is because it's eight different bloody couples, someone's going to attach themselves to a particular... Mm-hmm. Couple and go, oh, that's like my thing with so and so and this person, and you're like, oh, I can relate to it because it's so broad and so vague in terms of its storytelling as well. Because it doesn't really go too much in depth of each character. Maybe that's what I didn't also like enjoy. Probably that's it. Because I was like, oh, it's, it's so it's surface. so it it spans out between all the stories. Everyone can find something to attach to, and I think that's why it does so well. Is because it's so broad. But yeah, I, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pro- maybe. I'm but looking at you going, yeah. <laughs> you're probably right. But uh, I don't know. And I, I kind of enjoy I don't find myself in any of the stories, but I just enjoy what's being told because I'm, yet again, I can put it on. I don't have to. It's not too in-depth. It's cool. Just follow the journey. It's that's, it's fine. That's it's fair fine. enough. I like Liam Neeson. He's fine. Yeah. It's got actually, um, in Keira Knightley's story, it's got uh, the main actor out of The Walking Dead in it before he was big as well. Oh. He's the one that does the cards. Oh my one god, it is. Like, it is. It is. It yeah, is. It is. Yeah. There you go. Before he did, um, yeah, Walking Dead, because he's British. So yeah. Huh. Uh, next, the next one. I'm next gonna one. Yes. Talk about it briefly because a lot of people love this. Haven't seen uh, it. Polar Express, 2004, starring 
Tom Hanks and just a bunch of unknown kids. Um, <laughs> and a bunch of kids. Well, it is. No, I know. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Chris Van Allsburg, Robert Zemeckis and William Brawls Jr. A young boy on Christmas Eve embarks on a magical adventure to the North Pole on the Polar Express while learning about friendship, bravery and the spirit of Christmas. This is like a weird CGI one. I know, I because watched it in Chippendale make fun of it. 2004. <laughs> and I can't remember who I went with, either yeah. my dad or my, my mum and grandma. Yeah. I think it was my dad. Hated it. Never watched it since. Didn't like it. Felt it uncomfortable. Look appealing to me. Didn't Maybe get because it. of the style of CGI as well. Yeah. No. I mean, I think I saw it since at school because you know they put them on, but I didn't. In, I was probably coloring. You know, it's like you can watch the movie or you can color, and I was I'll like, I'll color in. Color. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'd, like cool runnings. <laughs> we'll move on, but I no, not for me. There's a lot of memes about this one, and like I said, obviously Chippendale, the new Rescue Rangers movies, makes fun of this a lot. In one particular scene, it's very funny. But also, like, there's a lot of memes about like the driving of the train and how it's like going off the tracks on the. And yeah, it's like, I it's, hated like it. it's wild. I don't feel comfortable seeing it. So yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, we'll move on to the next one because we've only got two or three left before we wrap up. The next one's the holiday from 2006. I haven't seen it. It's starring Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, and Jack Black. Written and directed by Nancy Myers. Now I've heard that name before. Need to look up what that she's done. Keep talking. I'll Google. Two women troubled with guy problems swap homes in each other's countries where they each meet a local guy to fall in love with. So I do remember when this came out and this was kind of a big thing. It was funny. I saw an interview with Jack Black recently and they asked him a particular question. It's like, oh, what's your favorite holiday movie? And he like lists off the stuff like I think Love Actually or the most recent ones like The Grinch and stuff. Everyone's like, oh, not the one you were in. He was like, I was in a Christmas movie. And then he goes, oh, that's right, the holiday. <laughs> he even forgot he was in a Christmas movie. Um, Yeah, I watched this one heaps. Yeah, or okay. At least You've seen it enough, yeah. I remember mm. it being on yeah. fairly, like, regularly at Christmas. Not, yeah. I think, by choice. Again, just was on TV. Um, And I remember sort of maybe paying a bit more attention. Maybe it was just one that I sort of picked up on as I was an older teen. So, like... I'd seen it more recently. Yeah. Don't think I loved it. Just think it's one that I think of when I think of like Christmas movies. Also, um, Nancy Myers has done like like a, a bunch, like Father of the Bride, um, Something's Gonna Give. Parent It's trap. complicated. Parent, Parent trap. trap. Yeah. It's done a bit. Yeah. They're all the movies I remember. Okay. But yeah. Right. Um, I think I liked The Holiday. I think it was fairly decently written. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a typical rom-com if I it's remember. It's a rom-com Christmas film. Yeah. There's not much else to kind of But really I don't – yeah, again – Looking at her other filmography that she's written and directed, it's like it fits in the bill with all those other kind of, yeah, movies that, so that go along with that. That brings us to our, our final oh, film. I'm so uh, glad we left fifth list for last. Oh, man. We watched this the other night yeah. um, separately, but – God, it was hard. <laughs> uh, it's Christmas by Candlelight 2023. It's not out in most countries yet. I know. I went to uh, rate it on Letterboxd. Not high, but I went to rate it. And you can still add your rating, but they've locked it out because it's not available in certain countries yet. Yeah. Uh, this one stars Aaron Agostino, Harmon Walsh, Anna Douglas, and Shauna McDonald. I've not heard of these people. I uh, don't know if anyone else has. No. Directed by Brian K. Roberts and written by Alexandra Brooke. Was it written? Um. <laughs> Yeah, it, look, if I was getting paid for it, I'd do it anyway. So this um, is basically, if, if we're going to kind of like summarise it, it's like a Hallmark, it's not a Hallmark movie, but it is a Hallmark Christmas Very film. much so. Very white, very white, very like um, 
like waspy type vibes, yeah. like white Anglo-Saxon Protestant style vibes to it. It's very low budget. I'd say at least under a mil, one mil. It feels uh, like um, yeah. a student film that was given a bit of money. A little bit. I wouldn't even say much. Like enough to be professional, but barely. All the establishing establishing shots of the city are all different cities to begin with, one. They're, two, they don't say which city it is. Uh, and three, I'm pretty sure they didn't film it in a city when it wasn't an establishing shot. So that kind of triggered me a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then also just the acting. I think the only kind of standout performance was Erin, and she wasn't amazing. That's just to say that the others were worse. <laughs> Uh, Harmon Walsh, who plays the love interest, who makes the candles in this story. Uh, I've seen better acting performances out of my doorway, uh, the plank of wood that sits there. Um, super wooden, no chemistry between him and her. She's trying. She's trying a little tuck her heart out to get something from him, but he's so boring. Um, but that's exactly what this film is, though, because it is such a G-rated film. It is for those, like, really old white women uh, that want absolutely nothing of any like offense or political standpoint whatsoever, so that they don't have to think and go, "Well, that was fun." Afterwards, that is what this film is okay, made for. So, this film story, <laughs> yeah, Juliet pitches Christmas candles to her boss to earn a promotion and enlists the help of Tom, a candle store owner. He refuses at first, but agrees when he realizes the money will help make his daughter's Christmas wish come true. Now, his daughter's Christmas wish is that. Grandma gets to spend Christmas with us because grandma is busy trying to get money to make like Christmas hampers for poor people. Yeah, it's a charity. It's She runs a charity. Also, that's a funny like synopsis. He doesn't agree to do the candle making commercially with the marketing team when he knows the, um, the Christmas wish of the daughter. He just picks it because he thinks it's going to make him money. Yep. That's it. He doesn't know about the daughter's wish. That comes later. <laughs> but they want to make these like artesian candles yeah. that are like $150 a pop or something. And then when- the, That's what he wants to do. Because like he, he's like, oh, it's yeah. an art. It's an art form is creating a candle. You can't get the customers to create their own scents. They don't know what it's about. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. shut and up. And then like obviously the the company that goes, now nah, we just want to make these cheap candles we can yeah. we can sell. And he's like, the art is lost. Yeah. Um, They're given an opportunity <laughs> to start making five candles. 5,000 candles a week that surely would be creating so much money for the business. He's like, I can't keep up with that demand. I'm like, that's what you expand the business for, my dude. <laughs> I don't think you have to do it all yourself if you're getting 5,000 orders of candles. But he has to because he is an artist and it's yeah. like a- It's a lost Christmas. form of art. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's so bad. The acting's so bad. I was falling asleep during the end and I think I stayed up to about midnight just to finish it. And God, mm. it wasn't worth it. There was no part that was worth it. Not really, because even at the end, I'm like, okay, so they're supposed to be romantically involved towards the end, right? Like, there's a whole will-they-won't-they thing. Even in the last scene, I'm like, are they even going to kiss? Like, I know it's, like, super G-rated and, you know, nothing's supposed to be inoffensive. I'm like, are they going to kiss? Because there's zero chemistry. Even in the part where they kind of, like, start to lean in towards each other, I'm like, oh, my God, this is awful. You guys don't know how to act. Oh, my God, show some emotion. Something. The kid wasn't great, but as we said, we give them a pass because this is probably the first thing they've ever yeah, done. Yeah, she's acting. about eight or something. You yeah. can't be mean to children. But then I was like, yeah, but the grandma was she worse. Was she good. was worse. Um, yeah, she just reads her lines and it's like, paycheck, see ya. Anyway, 
this was, I'm glad I said I was going to watch a Hallmark movie because now I know what kind of caliber it's at. Yeah, I'm not watching anymore. I ain't seen any more of those Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies. But if um, Hallmark Christmas movies are your jam, maybe you'll love this one. Cat, give it a watch. <laughs> Christmas by Candlelight. Uh, and that kind of wraps up our Christmas spectacular. Yeah. Second last episode of the year, one to go. I felt, yeah, it's coming to an end this year. Yeah, it's it's Christmas in Australia and we're sweating our guts out. I'm so sweaty So right if you're now. in somewhere that's <laughs> nice and lovely and snowy. I envy you. I envy you so deeply. Yeah, it's gross. So deeply. Yes, we'll come back next week. We'll have a big old uh, send-off extravaganza. And, yeah, we'll, you'll see us in the new year with some new plans. Yeah, and we're going to get into the best of 2023 next week. Yep. Um, but that's us for this week. As always, you can... Get in touch with us on Instagram, Twitter, um, at BingeLists or email us at BingeList and BoxOfficeHitsGmail.com. And thank you, as always, for listening. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thanks for sticking with us so far. Um, one more next week. And um, get in touch with us if you want us to watch some more things and Please. we'll just, like, I don't know, message you on Instagram or something and have a yeah. chat. Even just a small message, Instagram message to one of us. Just write in if you've got suggestions. And as always, thank you so much. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you. And Merry Christmas, even though it's a bit early. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's the month for it. Yay. Thanks, guys.